I'm a black here on day two of South by Southwest Music. I'm here with none other than Martin Adkins. How are you doing, sir? Good. I thought it was day 100. Uh, it feels like that. How long have you been down here? Uh, this t- Well, I've only, I, I got here on Tuesday night, but I, I, I have this thing of driving from Chicago. And like the last three years I've done it with students. And so for me, the South by experience wasn't just about being at South by with students. It was spending 20 hours in a vehicle with them where it's like you get past the what's your favorite band and everybody plays their demos and it's like, okay, now what are we going to talk about? By the time we get back to Chicago, or, or in this case Madison, I brought Madison students with me, you know these students. And so I you know, have this bond with these students. This time I just came down on my own. I did two days in Memphis, uh, Sunday and Monday, and I did the six-hour everything you need to know, like four lectures rolled into one workshop it just about killed me, so that's why it feels like day 100 to me. Yeah, and now you're here. How long are you staying in town uh, in Austin? I was going to leave late Friday night, and in uh, I'm surprisingly being asked to interview Ian Asbury on Saturday. And, and one of the things I've learned over the years is just you don't say no to people who you want to say yes to you at some point in the future. So... Instead of saying, are you out of your mind? Why would I interview Ian Asbury? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, absolutely. What a great idea. I'm there for you. You know? So I have to do some research. Uh, I, I opened for Ian with a band I had called Murder, Inc. Uh, we played to 25,000 people at the National Exhibition Center in Birmingham. But he was quite reclusive then. But now he's the singer with The Doors. It's like, holy crap. So, yeah, I'm, that's going to be interesting. You just yesterday, uh, the first day of music, you did your speaking presentation at one of these South by like you know conference type events. And how did that go? Oh, I love that stuff. It focuses me in to think about like, all right, you've been doing your thing for a year. What's changed? Think about something else now. It's, it's time to write another couple of riffs. And and just like a set list, I throw in some of my old favorites, my interesting stuff, and and it's it's a good opportunity to just work at my craft which is now public speaking and trying to get people to to well first of all sit still stay awake right it used to be you know just trying to engage people sit still stay awake and then you can engage them then if you can get them to laugh they can relax and open their minds and you can slide all kinds of stuff in there it's like songwriting really sliding in those difficult hooks and next thing you know people are singing your your uh, interesting lyrics because you planted that hook and you fucked up their heads you know it's exactly the same discipline and i love doing it that kind of audience that kind of like crowd that you're speaking in front of are they more responsive to your kind of ideas and curriculum i'm going to call it because it's like a south by music or interactive crowd you know people who are here for panels they obviously want to learn well it's it's a combination they want to learn but just like everybody who goes to folk alliance they're there because they like folk but when you're the 11th folk band, it's like, you know, I, I thought they were really nicely responsive and welcoming, you know. I feel like I can, I can get away with more now. Uh, people will give me 10 minutes, you know. The, the thing I did in Memphis, you know, it was, it, it became, um, people were like, amen, amen to that. Amen. It was like, all right, there was a rhythm to it. I loved that. You know, so what I'm looking forward to next is going back out on the road when when Bandsmart comes out, so I can do my three events a day, seven days a week, and and do get a few weeks under my belt, 
it's just like when you when you're playing on the road the first couple of shows are wobbly it's it's 10 shows in to a pig face tour anyway where where I've, I've got my stamina back and i'm really dangerous behind the drums yeah when i do one-offs even though even though i do a lot of one-offs uh it, it always takes me a few minutes to get back into it you are a south by veteran i think a lot of people have been coming down here for maybe like Maybe this is their first year. Maybe they, I've been doing like three years. But you are someone who really has some experience. How long? How many years have you been coming to South by Southwest? You know, I have no idea. I, I, I maybe seven. Yeah. Maybe I think maybe something well, well in the beginning before that. There's like a period that I don't remember much of. You know, um, but certainly maybe seven years. Yeah. How have you seen the the festival, the culture, the atmosphere, the attendance? Have you seen all these things change over that time? Well, I, I guess the easiest thing to look at is it was the, the music festival. You know, fuck off, it's music. And then it's like, oh, here are, the, here are these nerdy interactive fucks, you know, and um, ha-ha. And then the last two years, three years, interactive has completely overshadowed the music. And um, to the point where this morning I saw them taking down the Nokia igloo you know, I'm like, holy crap. Yes, this gigantic, like, igloo dome-type structure, just massive. Yeah, and it's like a big finger from Nokia, like, hey, you know what? Fuck you, music. We're out of here. Yeah. You know, I'm like, wow. And I watched fascinated as they pulled the whole thing apart, and then I'm like, oh, this is a great big finger from Nokia. Um, but next year, so obviously... On the one hand, it's like, wow, the, not the decline of music, but the, the escalation of interactive. And, and as an event manager, management instructor, lecturer, I'm like, how very, very smart. I've seen some festivals diversify too early, too radically. D-Fest in Tulsa uh, combined with a yoga festival, and it was just a bad idea. People doing yoga don't need rowdy musicians with, with outrageously offensive T-shirts pissing them off, you know. And um, So that was just bad. I'm sure it helped with the budget, but it might have helped destroy the festival. So now they've just added the educational component, but that was started on the 7th. But I think next year I want to come to that, then go away and do some events, maybe do Memphis and then come back for a little bit of interactive and music. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've I've been coming here three years, and the interactive side has just like insanely blown up. But uh, you know, for example, the last two years to pick up my badge it took me 15 minutes to get through that line. This year, it took me 90 minutes, and then later in the day, I was seeing people tweet that it was going to take them four hours. That's how many people were here. Right. So that's what that's like this huge benefit of speaking, you yeah. know, because the speakers I get to say hi to Andy. <laughs> I saw um, Dave. Uh, Dave from the Gang of Four, who, who blogs as Pomplamoose, and uh, it's a, a small price to pay for that kind of accelerated access. You are somebody who's always keeping up with these kind of things, you know, always on the cutting edge and looking at new things. What's some, like, you know, what are some tools, like digital tools or sites or software or apps or, you know, what should artists or creatives be looking into right now that they might not know about? Oh, my goodness. I hope they know about Hootsuite yeah. and Sendable, you know, but I'm still telling people about Tube Mogul, and uh, which is now called OneLoad. I've been mentioning that for about four years now, and it's people are like, you know, and I'll I'll say, hey, and everybody's using Tube Mogul, which is now OneLoad, and I'll see everybody put their heads down and write it. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's a site that, that you can upload your video to 30 different places at the same time. So you know, in the same way that you can control multiple social media sites through Hootsuite, 
or the Hootsuite Pro Upgrade or Sendable, OneLoad does that for your video. It's amazing. But then what I'm reeling from, what I was talking about yesterday, is you know, I'm just getting to grips with all this stuff. I teach it. And now here's MySpace coming back. 40,000 new users a day. I don't remember any of my passwords. No, yeah. It's like, oh, thanks a lot, you know. And, and here's, here's uh, Pinterest, uh, uh, Klingle, where you can leave virtual stuff hanging in the air, geo-tagged for people to find lyrics and songs, and uh, it's like, oh my goodness. Instagram, Instagram's another huge one. Yeah, all of that stuff, but I tell people, so it's, it's crazy, and yeah. you could spend, if you just get into that, you could just stay in it and not come out the other end. Right. You have to remember, it's not how you communicate, it's what. Right. So, and Andy Cernovitz from Gas Pedal says, advertising is the cost of being boring. And I think that's genius. He's a really smart guy. And when you think about it, it's right. If you make amazing uh, music, packaged amazingly, interestingly, like the Metal Box Public Image Limited, there we go, you know, 1979. Um, you package your material interestingly, you conduct yourself in an interesting way, and you do free shit all over the place and make your own stuff and scratch and sniff this and 3D that, then people will talk about you. Versus just throwing down $10,000 or $100,000 in some kind of campaign that there's no guarantee there will be an investment or a return on. Right. And so I, I also teach a class in environmental science and slightly greenwashing stuff. And there are so many studios, and it's all about what all the other studios are about, piles and piles of equipment. But if you're a green studio that's solar-powered and you recycle some stuff, and, and, and like, like uh, uh, Smogvale Records in Chicago, they've got the wind turbine on the roof, and they use repackaged... Uh, postal materials for their mail order unapologetically um, that's the story yeah. you know am I interested in your label actually no I'm interested in what you stand for and I'll read your newsletter because you've got this new and interesting angle on something you've mentioned your teaching work your students right now and I know that you are doing curriculum you're doing teaching at Madison Media Institute how is that going and what kind of work are you doing there for anyone who doesn't know well we're developing new programs all the time Entertainment and the World Wide Web. It's part of the EMB, uh, Entertainment and Media Business Program that I teach in. And um, that class just keeps changing. Yeah. I know s some other schools that I've guest lectured at or taught at, it takes you nearly two years to change the curriculum. Well, you, how can, you, in this day and age, it's like a, a week and a half. Is Everything's different than it was. Right. So we struggle with that idea. We just changed that class from seven weeks to 15 weeks. Uh, and we moved, we moved some of the some of that stuff like the Twitter class from the last 20 weeks to the first week of 60 so you've got 60 weeks to work on your Twitter account so it's more valuable when you leave but I work on marketing the school I like to help them with that because I like the school but retaining students keeping them interested what interests them you know I do a punk rock lecture and I was all kind of I felt all kind of smug like I updated the, the contemporary music class and I was in a band with Johnny Rotten so I did the punk class and then I thought you smug asshole that's 30 years ago. You know, why don't you do some do a dubstep class if you, you know. Oh, my God, people would eat it up. But even even right now, they're already kind of going like, ugh, dubstep and distancing themselves because Moonbaton is the new thing now. Moon it, it never ends. Jesus. Well, well I'm going to do a class called From Dub to Dubstep because I, I came from yes. early dub, tape delays, and that whole thing. The original up. shit, yeah. yeah. It came out of, there was a whole post-punk thing we used to listen to reggae and listen to dub and drink red stripe and of course smoke bags of spliff 
Okay. So I want to do dub-to-dubstep class. So we're developing new curriculum all the time. I teach advanced entrepreneurship. I, I teach anything, basically, that will help someone get a job at the end of the program. And then I stay involved with the students after the program ends. So it turns out that teaching is this job that has no beginning and no fucking end. Yeah. Right? There's no cookie-cutter approach to the stuff, which makes it cumbersome. It takes up a lot of my uh, mental and... and physical and uh, spiritual space but I don't understand how it could be any other way if you're teaching students and they're going out into the marketplace so one of the things I'm working on now is moving all of my businesses to Madison and I'm going to across the car park from the school it will almost be like building three of the school and I'm going to let the students screen print use my DVD, CD burner use the studio, get involved with my books, my sound library and, and I'm, we've been using sticks for too long like, here's the punishment because you didn't do your assignment. I'm very much looking forward to saying, you want to make some DVDs on my burner? You want to print some shirts for your band? Hand in your fucking assignment. Get that's, your that's incentive, man. No one gives a fuck if they get an A or a C. They just want to pass the class. But if suddenly it's like, oh, shit, I could get studio time or I could make a T-shirt or something, that's a real incentive. Right. And so it's almost like this mini, how do I market the idea, I did applied marketing at Columbia, yeah. how, how do I market the idea of getting students to, to work harder and buy into this, and if they do that, they buy into it earlier I've got 60 weeks to work with them before they head out the door, we're going to incubate some of the students' businesses as well and I, I just can't fucking wait to, to have this all happen It sounds rad, you know, one more question about kind of the school experience you know, these are students I would imagine they're like college age, like 18 to 22. And, you know, your experience, even my experience, like if we look at what we were doing 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it's so drastically different than the reality for these students now. How do they relate to what you're presenting to them, where you're coming from this place of great experience, and they're very new, and, and their modern life is just so different from, from everything that's come before? Well, I'm not sitting in class going... The great thing about punk rock was this. Right. The great thing about Killing Joke and ministry and blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, some some instructors at some schools do that, and it's like it just becomes their own little thing, you know. Right. I try and understand what they're about and find a way in to them. And once you do that, the rest of it is trying to... If, if they can understand that it, it's this journey... But as I say in some of my lectures, you're building, you're not just doing one thing, you're building a great, the Great Wall of China. Yeah. It's not about doing one thing well, it's about doing 20 things okay. And so when you realize that three of those things you need to do better, you can put in the time and effort to get better at those. And you build this insane, unbelievable toolkit where you're just priceless in any situation. And along the way, you, you, you get this mindset. And, and that mindset is kind of like, well... I don't know how to speak that language, and I don't know how to do that, but I could do these 10 other things, and I know I can learn, and I know what I need to do to teach myself something in a short amount of time, and I know I can bring a calm, collective mindset to any kind of crisis, whether it's artistic, creative, mechanical, physical, spiritual crisis, logistical, I'm someone you need to have on your team. You know, I, I have guys who came out with pig faith, and, and you hear them say, can I, come, can I deal with your six-piece band? Are you kidding me? I was on the road with Pigface. We had seven drummers, three bass players, 52 shows in a row. And they just know they can do anything. Yeah. And it's not an egotistical thing. You can, if you know you can do anything, you can be calm in a crisis. And if I could teach that, oh, my God. Yeah. 
just to scratch the surface would just be amazing. You have a lot going on. You've got you know your curriculum work. You've got your speaking uh, gigs, and you have a book called Band Smart, if I'm not mistaken, coming out. And I think I even contributed something to that. What else is on deck, and when can we expect to maybe see the book? Or like, what's kind of like you know on the horizon for Martin Atkins? We're just about to start a Kickstarter. Uh, for the book and that's going to be a learning experience for my students as well what makes a Kickstarter work help me with it let's see what works what doesn't moving my businesses is a huge thing it's going to mean I'm in Madison more Uh, this year I want to start drumming I haven't been drumming I was in a car accident nearly just exactly a year ago Uh, yeah just before South by it was it was pretty alarming and then my back got worse and worse so I've, I've just finished treatment and I want to start playing Physically for myself, um, but I, I need to, I need to hit things. <laughs> you know, it's it's. I've been drumming since I was nine, and I need to do that. Yeah. So I want to do that this year. I just don't know who people say. Oh, new pig face, and pig face is a. It's something to pull off with yeah. so many people, and that's not what I want to do. I want to play my drums. I don't get to play my drums much with pig face. I get to solve the logistical problems and pull off the spectacle of it. I want to. I just want to start playing my drums in Chicago, maybe once a week. Yeah. Maybe jamming with some crazy DJ loop guy. Do I don't a know. DJ, you know, uh, dubstep drum project. Okay. Do you know anybody who would like, <laughs> just who isn't an asshole, who would just be like scratching and dubbing and looping and? You know, maybe we can put the word out. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah, that would be good. I'd like to do that. Yeah. Uh, Martin Adkins really a true veteran and an artist in every sense of the word and you're doing fantastic things and you just continue kicking ass it's very inspiring to see and i'm glad you're here this year i'm glad we get a chance to sit down and talk and i'm looking forward to seeing everything you have coming up you too Hyman. thanks man